This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, the Taliban took control of Afghanistan. Given the conditions in the country when they last ruled, there are huge concerns about what a Taliban-led Afghanistan will be like for the people who live there and beyond. In this Squish Shortcut, we talk you through who the Taliban are and what they stand for, what life under the Taliban was like in the 1990s, how they've been able to regain control and what Afghanistan might expect under the Taliban once again. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Afghanistan, it's often said, has a long and complex history, something we go into detail in our shortcut on Afghanistan. This episode, as we said, though, will focus, Claire, on the Taliban. So the Taliban is an Islamist militant movement. It started out in the Islamic schools called madrasas in Pakistan. A lot of Afghans were living there in the 1980s and it's believed that those madrasas became recruiting grounds for Islamic volunteers to fight the Soviet forces in Afghanistan. And just to explain that a little bit, Soviet forces were supporting the communist government in Afghanistan. That came into power in 1978. It was known as the People's Democratic Party. And having a Soviet-backed government wasn't popular with many Afghans and it wasn't really that popular with many in the international community either. And so in the 1980s, a civil war broke out and insurgent groups began fighting the government. Those Muslim guerrilla groups were collectively known as the Mujahideen and the Taliban were among them. That's right. And the Mujahideen had support from countries like the US, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, China uh, and others. They were supplying billions of dollars in cash and also weapons to drive out those Soviet forces. So just to clarify that, Claire, the US supported the Mujahideen in order to get rid of the Soviets. That means they essentially funded the forerunners of today's Taliban. Yeah. And that's particularly galling when you project into the future and see Mm. what's transpired. But long story short, what happened was that those who fought that civil war then fought it out amongst one another for power. Uh, And after two years of fighting, it was the Taliban that ended up on top in 1996. Yeah, the other Mujahideen. Hadeen groups, they went to ground, the Taliban took control and it was welcomed by many across the country. Yeah, they were. And that's because Afghans had already been through years and years of war. And on top of that, there was drought and famine. So things were pretty dire. And at that time, the Taliban promised peace and security. Uh, It also gained a lot of popularity by promising to stamp out corruption. It was going to build roads and infrastructure to help trade and commerce. And that helped them gain a lot of influence. That view of the Taliban soon faded, though, when they began enforcing their strict interpretation of Islamic Sharia law. Let's get into now what it was like to live under Taliban rule. When the Taliban ruled between 1996 and 2001, it called the nation the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. It wasn't recognised by the international community as the country's legitimate government, mainly because of their enforcement of strict rules and human rights violations. Yeah, that's right. The Taliban's goal was to create an Islamic state, and so they enforced rules that represented their interpretation of that Sharia law. Men, for instance, were required to grow beards, and women had to wear the all-covering boots 
Gurkha. There were also bans on things like television and cinema. Music was also banned except for certain types of religious songs. Not only were there those rules, but officials also patrolled the streets to check whether or not civilians were abiding by those social codes. And if not, there were significant punishments. Yeah, corporal punishment, which of course is a type of physical punishment. It was very much a thing during that time. Uh, There were public executions, floggings were common. Uh, Some people had limbs amputated for crimes like robbery and adultery and murder. When it comes to women's rights, Claire, the Taliban were particularly harsh. Women and girls had many basic human rights stripped from them, things like going to school or studying, uh, working outside of the home, also showing any of their skin in public. They weren't allowed to leave the house without a male chaperone or even access healthcare, particularly if there was a male doctor involved. And they were banned from being involved in anything like politics or speaking publicly, as you can imagine. Yeah, there are so many specific reports of those suppressions of freedom. There are books about it. There's so much to read on it. But essentially women were invisible in public life and imprisoned in their home. Yeah, and if any rebelled against that strict code, there were harsh punishments. A woman could be flogged for not wearing the burqa. Uh, They could be beaten for studying and even stoned to death if they were found guilty of adultery. Seems crazy to think this was happening just 20 years ago. The Taliban's rule, though, came to an end in 2001 when it was kicked out of Kabul by the US and allies like Australia. That was in the wake of those 9-11 terror attacks on America by Al-Qaeda, which was another militant group that fought against the Soviets in the 1980s. The US targeted Afghanistan and the Taliban because it had sheltered Al-Qaeda, and the goal was to stop that terror group from using Afghanistan as a base for its operations. As I said, it's been almost 20 years since that happened. Up until recently, coalition troops, so soldiers from the US, the UK, Australia and many others, have remained in Afghanistan to help the national government and train their defence forces. We'll get to more on that in just a bit. Whilst this was going on, the Taliban, though, was still bubbling away. Yeah, when they were ousted, many fled to remote areas and across the border to Pakistan, and that's where they began to rebuild. As for the rest of the country, some strides were made towards giving Afghans more freedoms. A lot of that was concentrated in Kabul and other major cities. So while those centres were moving forward with the help of coalition forces, there were still remote parts of Afghanistan that were held by the Taliban. And in those places, the Taliban was relentless in cementing their power and growing from there. They targeted prominent civilians, intellectuals, journalists and other prominent figures who were aligned to the Afghan government. And as far as US support was concerned, things changed in 2016 with the election of Donald Trump. He campaigned on a promise of getting America out of what he called the forever war. And he wasn't the first to talk about that. President Barack Obama also did when he was in office. But for Trump, it became an article of faith with the American people. And if we fast forward to February 2020, uh, a deal was done after long peace talks between the US and the Taliban. And ultimately, the US agreed to pull its soldiers out. And the Taliban agreed in that deal that they would cut ties with terror groups like Al-Qaeda. So when President Joe Biden took office earlier this year, the withdrawal began. 
Yeah, it did. And troop numbers came right down and other countries like Australia followed suit. But since then, the Taliban has rapidly gained ground, taking over key strategic cities from the Afghan government. And this week, as we know, the Taliban surprised the world when it took over Kabul. Given its history, there's a lot of concern for what that might mean going forward. Let's get into that now. What's been the most surprising in all of this is just how quickly the Taliban has recaptured territory and how quickly the Afghan government folded. Yeah, it was just last week that reports came out saying US intelligence reports anticipated Kabul would fall in 90 days, and that was shocking news Mm. then. But as we saw early on Monday morning, the Taliban took control of the capital in a matter of hours. There's a few reasons why the Taliban were able to advance so quickly. One is its growing numbers, its membership. Reports say there's about 75,000 Taliban fighters and when you compare that to 300,000 Afghan security forces, it's easy to think that the government should have been able to hold on to power pretty easily. But soldiers weren't well paid. There's also huge risks and high casualties. Mm. And over the last couple of years, support for the Taliban has grown. Reports point to about another 200,000 fighters from militia groups and the light bolstering their numbers. Uh, Another reason given is that in the past 18 months, the Taliban has struck ceasefire deals across the country. What that actually refers to is the Taliban paying outposts of the national military cash for their weapons. So when it came time to fight, the military surrendered and fled. So because of that, what we've seen is the Taliban taking provincial capitals over the past few weeks without much of a fight. On Monday, they took Kabul and a spokesperson for the Taliban said they wanted to enter Kabul with peace. Yeah, the Taliban says that it's changed and it wants Afghans to stay and help rebuild the country. They say that Afghans have nothing to fear and that they'll grant amnesty to those who have worked for the government. Of course, they said that back in the 1990s when they were welcomed by the people and that turned into a disaster. So whether it's true or not, there's many who are sceptical. Of course, Afghans who have fled Taliban-held areas or lived under their control before are very worried that things will turn to the dark days as they call them. Yeah, there's real concerns for anyone who worked with the government for the past couple of decades and those who have got ahead and established themselves in new lives are at risk under the Taliban regime. As for women and girls, there's already reports of them being targeted and married off to Taliban fighters and it's a really grim outlook. And because of that, Claire, thousands are now trying to leave Kabul. Yeah, the scenes coming out of Kabul International Airport particularly show just how much of a scramble it's been to get citizens to safety. 60 nations, including Australia, have called on the Taliban to allow those who want to leave uh, safe passage. And many countries have already planned for ways to get their diplomats and dual citizens out. That includes Australia. Among all of the chaos, which is certainly what it is, Claire, the person who's copying a lot of heat is US President Joe Biden. He's been blamed by many for the collapse of the country after withdrawing those troops, as we talked about. He says that the Afghan military cannot and will not fight for control of its own country. So why should the US stay to prop it up? Uh, He also says that America can't stay when it's not in its national interest to do so. There's a lot of commentary about whether a Taliban-controlled Afghanistan would see that rise in terror threats. 
uh, which is the very reason why the US and other countries went to fight the Taliban in Afghanistan in the first place. And what some experts say is that now that US troops have withdrawn, it makes it even harder to monitor those threats in Afghanistan. It's another watch and see, of course. That's your shortcut to the Taliban. On to our recommendations. Each week we recommend some further reading, listening or watching. I mentioned at the start of the podcast, Claire, that we'd done a shortcut on Afghanistan. It covers its history. It covers how 9-11 saw the start of that war on terror. It's well worth a listen. Yeah, and I've got a podcast, The Daily, The New York Times. The episode that they put out on Monday is particularly stunning. It follows mm. a 33-year-old woman. She's been an outspoken critic of the Taliban and she documents those few days leading into the Taliban taking Kabul. It's particularly heartbreaking. Plenty of podcasts to line up on this topic. A link to both of those is in your episode notes. As always, if you have a request, and this one certainly was well requested this week, send us a note to hello at the school. Until next week.